Good morning. <laughs> that cat almost getting hit was <laughs> <that's> the best. <laughs> Appreciate that family allowing us just into the privacy of their lives. That helps so much for you to just get a peek uh, and uh, of how our generosity have blessed others. Uh, Mia got to have an inside seat. And um, there's more stories to tell, and looking forward to hearing some of those in the days to come. Well, Happy New Year's Eve. This is uh, really, for me, a privilege to share this service with you, and I don't say that lightly online. Thank you for joining us. In a few moments, as we'll be together around the Lord's table, there's just something awesome about the family of God, uh, the local church, God's house, and we get to share that together. And for some of you, maybe this is your uh, first Christmas and New Year's with us and others. Maybe this is number 21. Maybe it's all 21. And it's just amazing to be a part of God's family. Somebody say, yeah. Well, this morning I want to take some principles. Oh, just before I do that, I want to wish Frankie happy birthday. Where is he? I saw him back there. Where are you? There he is. You're in the haze. I didn't know if that was the glory or the haze, but did you hit 40 this year? Or is that next year? 37. All right. I want to take some principles from the life of uh, King Hezekiah. Sorry that I thought you were 40. <laughs> Not that you look that old. And uh, Christine and I, when we first got married, we had a cat. We had two cats, actually. Fluffy was uh, one cat. We thought having one cat was pretty awesome. We thought two would be a better idea. And so we, uh, we went and bought a cat, named him Hezekiah. I don't know if we thought he the cat was Amish or something, but we named it Hezekiah. And uh, Hezekiah the cat, the cats didn't get along. And so, uh, well, it doesn't matter how that story ended. But Hezekiah is a king in Israel. Uh, not an Amish guy or a Mennonite guy, he or a cat, uh, King Hezekiah. And we meet King Hezekiah in a part of Israel's history when they were ruled by the kings. Uh, king Saul was first, and then King David, and then a number, uh, a succession of kings. And it's a little bit confusing when you look at the history because the kingdom split into a north and south kingdom, and we have righteous kings following after God. We have unrighteous kings doing their own thing, and it's one uh, big mess at times, uh, just like our lives. And yet God was faithful uh, to his nation, to his people. But King Hezekiah took the throne at 25. He was a good king, a righteous king, and he was a king at the same time. In your Bible, Isaiah the prophet, so you read about the prophecies of Isaiah to the nation of Israel. Uh, they are contemporaries. They're, they overlap um, in Isaiah's prophecies and King Hezekiah's reign. And so that's just to give you some background um, what a commendation to him in 2 Kings 18. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all his father David has done. So we're just gonna look at Hezekiah. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this gathering of your, uh, this family, your church. Lord, here, Harvest Christian Fellowship. We just pray, Lord, that as we uh, crest into 2024, we do it, Lord, as Christina said, taking, laying hold of all that's ours to have and letting go of what we need to let go of. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us as a church over these years. 
We thank you, Lord, that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David had done. And Israel had departed by the time Hezekiah came on the scene from uh, God's ways. And so most of his work was religious reform, bringing people back to the ways of God, back to prayer, back to worship, back to moral living. Uh, and uh, and, and he, he's given that commendation and this one. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. Not amazing. No, no king before, no king after. King Hezekiah was like him before the Lord. For he held fast to the Lord. He held fast to the Lord. That's not he fasted, but that he held fast uh, to the Lord. That was a fasting joke. It didn't really go over. He did not depart from following him. He kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. I love that. The Lord's with us as well. He prospered him wherever he went. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. And that's what I want to look at this morning is this king of Assyria. Uh, his name is Sennacherib. And uh, Sennacherib was doing a great job su uh, subjugating the, the then known world. And he was taking nation after nation, city after city. And he had moved in on Jerusalem and he was threatening to take it from Hezekiah. He had laid siege to the city completely surrounded it. And so the people of Israel, specifically those living in Jerusalem, are inside the city walls, and they're like a caged animal. They have nowhere to go. They can't come in. They can't go out. And it's really, really a desperate time in this king's reign, in this nation's reign. It's doing so good. They're just doing so amazing. And then Sennacherib comes along. It was so desperate that Hezekiah uh, explains it this way. He said, this day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace, as when children come to the moment of birth and there's no strength to deliver them. So he gives us this analogy. He's saying it's so bad, it's as if it's like the woman who got right to the moment of giving birth. She, you know, was able to get pregnant She's able to carry to full term. She's getting ready to give to birth, but she has no strength to push. And so the baby and the mother pass away. What he's saying is that the present and the future are being decided by what we're going through right now. The present and the future are being determined by what's happening with Sennacherib as he has surrounded, uh, surrounded the city. Remember last week I spoke to you a word that I believe God dropped uh, in for us as we uh, leave 2023, come into 2024, that God is speaking a new season of great joy based on the story of uh, Mary becoming pregnant with the purpose of God, with Jesus himself, but that we can become pregnant with the purposes of God, that God was bringing a new season of excitement, a new hope, a, a, really a season of You can respond there if you want a season of Yahoo in your life. Anybody want a season of Yahoo in your life? Go ahead and just say, yeah, Lord, that's me. I want a season of Yahoo. This season we want to be pregnant with new purpose, new possibilities, and new, new power, which is what our services are about that we set apart in January. 
Hezekiah was pregnant with purpose. I mean, like, man, there was no other king like him before or after, and God was prospering him and expanding him, and he's in the best season of his life. The nation is in the best time of their life, and then there's Sennacherib. And they're present, excuse me, their present and their future are being threatened. It's like a moment when you're about to give birth, but there's no strength to push or to deliver. And I want to dig into this analogy a little bit because it's one thing to be excited about something new, which we talk about hope, but faith really takes it to another level. And, and faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith actually brings what we're hoping for into, into being. As God makes promises, as God is faithful to us, it's one thing to be excited and go, yeah, we're believing for, and we're going to see, and God is awesome. But if we get to the end of 2024, and nothing's changed, we need to be careful because then what we're really doing, it's rhetoric, it's hopeful thinking. We're not laying hold of the things of God. We want to not only be pregnant with the possibilities and the excitement of what God has, I don't know about you, but I want to hold the baby. I mean, I, I want to see that what God has promised come to pass. Is anybody with me this morning? We want to see what God has promised come to pass. And God has promised many things to us as a church, and we've seen uh, uh, much of what God has prophesied and promised, but there is much to come, and we want to see that as a church. You as individuals, my life as an individual. So it's one thing, it's one thing to be excited, and we want to be excited about what God is saying. It's another thing to actually give birth and see uh, and take hold of what God has. But Sennacherib is in the way of that. He's threatening the future. He's, he, uh, the, the analogy being, it's like the moment where we were excited, but it didn't happen. Now, I want to dig into this analogy a little bit more because there's a key word here that we use. We sang about it this morning. Christina talked about it this morning. Uh, she was exhorting us. Honey, you did a great job, and you stole my illustration that I built my whole sermon around. So I don't know how that's all going to go, but thanks, hon. And uh, <laughs> uh, my story about Aaron. Um, but King David had something very similar uh, happen to him, uh, King David being the second king. And so as, as David is under God's blessing and under God's prosperity, under God's favor. The Bible says he went on to become great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. There it is again. So God was with Hezekiah. God is with you and I today. God is with us. Say, God's with me. Yeah, Emmanuel, God with us. The beginning place of faith. If you've not Ask God to be with you, to come into your life. I'll give you opportunity to do that at the end of this service. Most of us in this room have come to the place where we've realized we want to ask, we've asked the Lord to forgive our sin, to come into our life. God is with us. He's not a far off. He's with us. Then along came the Philistines. David inquired of the Lord, saying, and this was one of his arch enemies, a warring, another warring nation that came against David. It threatened to shrink his borders, threatened to make him smaller, threatened to take away what God had given him. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. I love that with God, it's doubtless. That we have to learn that. We're learning that God is faithful, and we can have faith in a God who says doubtless. 
doubt, you can, you can trust me, no doubts at all, doubtless. Say doubtless. Yeah, doubtless I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And so David went to Baal-perazim, and that's a city that ends up by having a different name, but it's being referred to now by its new name that David gives it. David went to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. He defeats the Philistines. He defeats the nation that is threatening to shrink him, threatening to take away what God has promised, threatening to, threaten to stand in the way of bringing forth what God said he would bring forth. As David's trusting him, God's saying, oh, doubtless you're going you're to receive this. Well, then what about the Philistines? Oh, the Philistines. We're going to take care of the Philistines. And you're going to take care of them at Baal Perazim. At Baal Perazim. David, it goes on as we read the scriptures. He named it Baal Perazim because he said, uh, this place is like a breakthrough of water, which is kind of a clumsy translation, which is a, when a woman's getting ready to give birth, her water breaks. And the breaking of the water, the gushing of the water, signifies baby's on its way. We're going to have a baby, a breakthrough a breakthrough, a breakthrough of water. Baal Perazim literally means the God of the breakthrough. God of the breakthrough. Remember, I've shared with you before that often in the Bible, uh, we'll be reading and a name or a title will be given to God based on revelation of what we've learned about him. And so Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. Jehovah Shalom, God is my peace. And we've been looking at some of these names just in the last couple of weeks. And here it is again, David has a revelation. And by that, I mean, he didn't just read, oh, well, God is the God of breakthrough, praise God. No, he experienced the God of breakthrough. He experienced the God who pushed the wall of the enemy back and said, here's an opening, now get through. Get through this opening. Nothing's gonna stop you. Nothing's gonna stop God. But you've gotta deal with the wall that's closing in. You need a breakthrough. Say breakthrough. I don't know about you, but I need a breakthrough. There are areas of my life that I'm excited about what's on the other side, but there's a Sennacherib spirit standing in the way saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm surrounding you. You're not, you're not moving it. Forget the present. You're not even getting to the future. And we know that God is a God of the, of the prophetic and prophetic words of what he has spoken over this church and over our lives. And in order to take hold, in order for us to see it happen, we need a breakthrough. Hezekiah needed a breakthrough. David had a revelation. Hezekiah needed the very same breakthrough. In the past, as Christina shared earlier, the story I wanted to share, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just do it again, that during the, our time over these, uh, now this will be our 21st, I believe, um, we started in 2003, and, uh, and we have always recognized setting aside the first of the year, we believe in that principle of the first, the tithe, the setting aside the, the first of our talents, the first of our time, the first of our, our finances, and we lay it before the Lord, believing that as we, we make God first, seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus taught us, all of these other things will be added unto you as we put God first. And so doing that in these 21 days uh, of fasting and prayer, uh, that we have seen breakthrough. I've personally seen breakthrough. Our church has seen breakthrough. 
and it was 14 or 15 years ago, a lady by the name of Helen Gray, a uh, dear lady married uh, here with her husband, Doug, and um, they they just precious couple. Uh, Helen has since gone on to be with Jesus, and she asked uh, specifically Christina the area of breakthrough and, and the present and the future for a 10-year-old who was incontinent, who had no sense at all when he was going to the bathroom and so required a diaper. Um, I was the one that changed all those diapers, uh, just saying, and, uh, and it would be appropriately so for a 10-year-old boy, and his dad should, should do that. And I think when Christina told me about it, she said, hey, Helen asked, and honestly, I thought there were a million other things I need breakthrough in. I didn't have faith for what seemed to be a little breakthrough, but what I didn't realize was how much energy and time, and just emotionally the drain of having to face the reality of, of the incontinence of a 10-year-old day in and day out over and over again with every diaper change, some of them more difficult than others. And, and so I, I kind of registered it but didn't register it. And we began, we began those 21 days of fasting and prayer. And she was gonna focus on that. She said, we're gonna believe for breakthrough. I just want to show you some principles today of how you can get your breakthrough this January, all right? If just to receive, Mia, Mia's ready for her breakthrough, just to receive our breakthrough this January. Four people are want to break, how many want a breakthrough? Well, I need, let, let, I want to hear about it. Say breakthrough. Bell Perizim, the God of the breakthrough. So when, Hez, yeah, come on. When Hezekiah heard this, when Hezekiah heard this, which was the report of Sennacherib, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth, went into the temple of the Lord. That's an Old Testament expression in a way of saying, this is bad and I need God. <laughs> this is bad, I need God. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna just put God first. And sackcloth was a garment of humility, of going before the Lord, humble and saying, God, you're God and I'm not. God, you're the only one that has the power to do this. You, you, you're the only one that can handle Sennacherib. God, I can't handle Sennacherib. We're, we're not going to be able to do this. Lord, we need a breakthrough. And so he puts on the attire. Now, as we talk about this, fasting and prayer doesn't earn us something with God. Okay, God, we're hungry. Um, I, the way I approach, um, I've done the fasting and prayer time all different ways. I usually just spend some time before the Lord and say, what would you have me do this year? And um, we have done years where we've done juice fast for the 21 days, and you have to just know that you're healthy enough to do that. Um, and typically, just people do, they'll skip a meal or they'll skip a series of days. And what I do and what I'll be doing this year, and I just say it to help, maybe you understand how we do this, is I take three days and, and I'll just drink water for those three days. Um, and um, the Bible says that where Jesus taught us, don't, it, it doesn't earn, it doesn't, it's not getting you something, but it's you deciding to, to wear humility, to say to this body, uh, you're going to be in subjection to the Lord. And when you're crying out for food, God is my food. God is my source. God is my first. And, um, and, and you can recognize that in, in any way you, you want to. And Jesus went on to say, don't do like the Pharisees who don't wash and don't clean themselves up and they look like a mess and they want the whole world to know they're fasting. 
And so you will get a little grumpy. My wife will say, you, you know that scripture you tell everybody every year that you shouldn't get grumpy while you're fasting? Well, you shouldn't get grumpy right now. And, 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 and uh, cause, you know, use it as an excuse. Well, I'm fasting. Jesus said, we do it. We're doing it before him. And you do it any way that you feel you're to do it. And Hezekiah made this decision. I'm going before the Lord. I'm putting him first. I'm going to, for, for him it was sackcloth. For us, it's these 21 days of humility where we're just saying, Lord, we're putting you first. We're not earning something, but you're putting everything else aside to focus on the Lord. Sackcloth was a sign of sorrow. And you know what? Sometimes when we're praying for breakthrough, there's a lot of tears involved. And that's okay. I've spent a lot of times where I couldn't get words out, but I could weep before the Lord and, 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 and just allow my emotions to express, Lord, this is difficult. I need a breakthrough. Sennacherib was unrelenting. He sent messengers and messages to stir fear among the people. He was engaging uh, the, the, the city officials at the gate, and then they raised their voices in the Hebrew language so that everybody could hear. And he, they said this, you speak of having plans of power for war. They're just mere words. And you might be sitting here today going, I've sat through a lot of New Year's Eve services, a lot of Pastor Roy's sermons where we're leading up to a new year, and this is just what we do at Harvest. We, we just get really positive about the next year, and we're going to talk about plans for power, plans for overcoming the enemy, plans for power and war, but just words, just rhetoric for another year, just one more time around the calendar. And I don't know what the spirit of Sennacherib has convinced you of this morning, but I want to tell you, you get to decide whether what God is saying or what you're hearing this morning is mere words or is God speaking to you. Who's speaking to you this morning? Who's speaking to you in these days? Sennacherib would have them believe that the plan that Hezekiah was putting forth, we're going in sackcloth before the Lord. We're going to take some time and put God first. I've got a plan for power, for war. And he said, plans for power, war? That's just mere words that we say at harvest. This is what Sennacherib says. And he answered, and this voice was raised for all the people to hear. So that's what Hezekiah is saying? That's what you think God is saying? This is what Sennacherib says. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. He will never be able to rescue you from my power. Don't let him fool you into trusting in the Lord and saying, the Lord will surely rescue us. This city will never fall into the hands of the Assyrian king. Oh, yeah? Yes, it will. I'm going to show you. Nothing changes around here. I'm in charge. You can say all the things you want to say about January. You can say all the things you want about a God of power, a God that has a plan about overcoming Philistines and Assyrians, but it ain't happening this time. Your finances are staying the same. Your health situation is staying the same. It's same old, same old. Might as well not just say the mere words. Might as well say nothing at all says Sennacherib. Or we can do what Hezekiah did and have humility before the Lord and say, God is able to do this. After Hezekiah, number first point this morning is a season of humility. Number two, Hezekiah received a letter from the messengers, all of what I just kind of paraphrased that Sennacherib was saying, that he shouted 
It's for the people to hear and now sends to the king via a letter. When Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went up into the Lord's temple. He spread it out before the Lord. He spread it out before the Lord. Have you ever received a letter that had some bad news or something you weren't expecting and you read it and you go, oh, you fooled it back out, put it in the envelope. You want somebody else to read it. They come by, you throw it down. Oh, you should see this. You throw the envelope down. The other person is like, oh, okay, I don't know. Take it out and they read it. That's not what Hezekiah did. Hezekiah took the written letter coming from Sennacherib and he went into the place of prayer and he got down on his knees and he spread it out before the Lord. He read it to Jesus. He read the letter of what the enemy's threats were because they were real. He wasn't ignoring them. He wasn't saying, oh, yeah, you know, God is able. And this is never, you know, the enemy can't touch me, which, which is true. But that, it, wasn't, it wasn't a premature thing. There was a season of humility. He went before the Lord, and he spread out before the Lord a letter that stated how strong the enemy was and how real it was at that moment that his present and his future were being pressed in and that he needed a breakthrough. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. To do just like Hezekiah. I want you to get a piece of paper in the next number of days, and I want you to write down, ideally before, uh, before we kind of start Tuesday morning, but, but just maybe it'll happen as, as, as you just think about some things next week. But on a piece of paper, begin to write down, literally put pen to paper or on your phone in your notes or however you keep track of things and write down what is keeping you, what you need a breakthrough. Well, God promised me this, but this stands in the way. God said that we would have a family, but barrenness stands in the way. God said that I would do this, but migraines stand in the way in the way. God said, and write down all the areas. And during this time, as we go before the Lord, bring, bring your paper with you on Wednesday nights. Bring your paper with you in the morning. Spread it out before the Lord. And I guarantee by the time these days are over, there will be tear stains. There will be a little snot residue. There will be some, because as you begin to do business with the Lord and realize that God wants to bring a breakthrough for you. This isn't your I hope so. This isn't mere words. This is you getting serious with God, the God of the breakthrough. Bell Parasam, the God who says, I told you I would prosper you. I told you I would bless you. I told you you have all things pertaining to life and godliness in Christ. Now receive it. I am the God of breakthrough. We did get that call that Christina told you about, and I had three people on the other end of the, I picked up the phone, there, there was his um, educational assistant and the principal and his teacher, and they're excited, and, and, uh, and I thought, oh no, what's he done now? And, uh, and so they, began, they said, he asked to go to the bathroom today. 
I'm thinking he has to go to the bathroom every day. He's got you guys figured out. He knows that when he does that, you take him out of the classroom, and he doesn't have to sit there anymore, and he gets to walk down and, and uh, play bathroom, which he doesn't know what he's doing because he doesn't. he's incontinent. He doesn't even have a sense of when he has to go. And they said he asked to void, and he sat in the toilet and did. Excuse me. <clears throat> Aaron, could you just bring my water? It might be sitting on the floor. And if not, bring me mom's. Not yet. Oh, man, thank you. Did you drink out of this yet? You did? Okay. They said Aaron asked to void today, and, and he did. He's going home in a dry diaper. He arrived home, and it kind of clicked. Everything clicked. What had happened, we were uh, approaching, I think it was the third week of the fast, and Christina said, what do we do? I said, I know what I'm doing, and they were putting another diaper on him, and well, what if he messes himself? I said, then we'll cross that bridge when it happens, but right now, we're having a breakthrough, and uh, he never had an accident after that, and uh, it, it was amazing. He... Um, yeah, I mean, I'll be, uh, I mean, I don't need that this is kind of graphic, but it, I think it, it just illustrates the power of breakthrough. Um, he was very agitated for another day after that, and I realized that he hadn't had a bowel movement. And, uh, and so he, uh, we, we said to him, you, you need to go in, go to the bathroom. And so sat him down, and I remember, he's had no sense before in, incontinence is you have no voluntary ability and so he's there, and he's looking scared. And, and I said to him, what's wrong? And I, and I explained, and, and uh, uh, I kind of, I, I, I tapped where, underneath just tapped where this is going to happen. And he, he, you know, it was, he needed, he needed to do something. And he, he, through cheery eyes, he said, it's going to hurt. And I said, what? He goes, when it comes out my penis, it's going to hurt. <laughs> He just had no idea. And, of course, then he was successful with that one. And that was a healing. That was a rewiring of his brain. It wasn't just diapers. It's, it was a rewiring of his brain, which we continue to pray for, by the way. We continue to pray for further breakthroughs. I'd like the host team that's going to pass out the emblems to bring them now. I, I apologize if that was too graphic. I just felt... But just the, the, the level of miracle and the miraculous that can be experienced during days of fasting and prayer. You, yeah, go ahead. And hey, you might not receive your miracle during the fast, but you will get your breakthrough as you just honor God through the fast. You're receiving emblems right now that symbolize the Lord's Supper his body, his blood, and I'd like you just to hold the emblems as the hosts come right now and start passing those out. Hold them and we'll all partake together. But just stay focused. I know they're gonna be moving through the room and I just ask you to stay focused for a moment. A couple more, actually one more point. He put on his sackcloth. He said, I'm gonna do this. I'm going to the temple. I'm going to humble myself before the Lord, cry out to God season of prayer, season of putting God first. And this is what Hezekiah prayed. 
O Lord, the God of Israel, you who are enthroned between the mighty cherubim, you alone are God of all the kingdom of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to Sennacherib's words of defiance against the living God. As he spread out his request before the Lord, and it's rightfully done. He said, God, this, this isn't against me. This is against you. And so, Lord, as you hear and as you see what's standing in the way, and he was thanking God for the breakthrough. But I want to look at one phrase that it's so easy to skip over, but it helps us to understand today the Lord's Supper. He said, you're the God who's enthroned between the mighty cherubim. That's an interesting phrase. And if you're not aware, just let me explain this for a moment. I'll get a little teachy for a sec, but it's, I think it's super important for us to understand what Hezekiah was looking toward. In the Ark of the Covenant that would have been symbolizing God's presence in the Holy of Holies, a priest would go once a year on the Day of Atonement. He would make atonement or at-one-ment between God and the people because a lamb was slain, and that was Passover. God passed over the sins of his people because of a lamb that, was, that died in the place of the people. The Ark of the Covenant, the lid, was formed by one piece of cast. Uh, the, the, uh, it was, it was, there was wood, and then it was covered in gold. It was one complete piece, say one. But it had three parts to it. There were two cherubim, and the lid. And so the two cherubim and the lid, it was called the mercy seat. The mercy seat. Say mercy seat. Why do I hear Natalie in my hearing aids right now? <laughs> That's just weird. Oh, now she's gone. Is she downstairs in Kids Church? My hearing aids just picked up a Bluetooth signal. This is good. they're getting weirder all the time. Anyway, when my phone they're just new, and when my phone rings, I, I I'm looking for my phone. I go, oh, they're in my ears. Um, weird. Let's get back to the moment. Sorry. Three and one, one and three. Speaking of the, our Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's three, but he's one. He's one. He's three. It's a mystery. If you could understand it, you'd be God. The Trinitarian God, he's one and he's three. The two cherubim representing God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. These cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant are looking down. And with the contents of the Ark of the Covenant was the law. The law was placed inside the Ark of the Covenant in this place called the Temple in the Holy of Holies. And once a year, a priest would go in. When a human being stepped into the presence of God, symbolic of the Ark of the Covenant, the Godhead looking at the law says, man is separated from God. He is a sinner. He has broken this law, and the consequence of a broken law is death. The priest should die instantly when he comes into the presence of God. But he brought blood, and he placed the blood on the mercy seat for himself and for the nation, the day of atonement, the day of settling the score of sins between God's people in God, and this would need to be done every, um, every year. 
And so when God, the, the Trinitarian God, looked down on the mercy seat, they showed mercy because there was blood. Somebody had died because of sin. Hezekiah said, you are the God who's enthroned between the cherubim. You're the God of the mercy seat. You're the God of the Ark of the Covenant, but you're the God of the mercy seat. As we bring this into the New Testament, understand what he saw down through the annals of time, what we experience today. In this is love. Excuse me. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Not die, but live. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It's a big theological word that's placed into the scripture. And you may have atonement. Depends on the, the translation you're reading. But that word is a theological word. It's put. It's a hard word. It's a big word. It's put in there because it doesn't make sense in the Greek when they translate it because it's this. And this is love, not that God loved, not that we love God, but God loved us and sent his son to be our mercy seat, to be our mercy seat for our sins. You see, Jesus himself, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, Jesus the mercy seat, and Jesus put his blood on that seat so that you and I could experience the love of God. We didn't love him first. He loved us first. He reached to us and loved us. Hezekiah came before the Lord and said, I'm here, Lord, because you love me and I love you and I need a breakthrough and you're the God who loves me. You're the God who provided everything for me. You've given me all things in Christ Jesus. And today I'm exercising the power that's in the blood. Today I'm coming under the power that's in the blood of Jesus because you became my mercy seat Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And as a family today, as we enter into this time, as a family, these 21 days, our family's called Harvest Christian Fellowship. And today, as we partake of communion, we sit down at the table together. Communion the Lord's Supper cannot be taken individually. Me and Jesus don't take communion. We take communion as a family. He sat his apostles down, 12 apostles around the table, one about to betray him. All of us at different places of our journey, sitting together to receive the love of God. And for us, the reminder of that love. If you're here today, You've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. You've never asked him to wash away your sin. The Bible said that if you have not asked him to do that, that you are separated from God, that we deserve death in the presence of God. But instead, he offers us life. Right now in this moment, you, if you've never done that, I'd like you just to pray this simple prayer. In fact, could we all pray this simple prayer together after me? Dear Jesus, Thank you 
that you love me. I am a sinner. Come into my life. Save me today. I repent of my sin. I receive the payment for my sin, your life. I am forgiven. I have eternal life. I am a child of God. Today, in Jesus' name, amen. We believe if you prayed that prayer for the first time from your heart, you're born again today. You're not separated from God, but you are with God. Say, with God. Today, as we hold the emblems, we are celebrating that we're with God, with Jesus. This is the manifestation of his love. As you approach him in these 21 days, know that you are loved. Know that you are empowered. Know that he wants to work a breakthrough and show himself to be the God of the breakthrough in your life. The bread speaks of the relational aspects that Jesus died not, so, not only so we could have a relationship with him, but we could have a relationship with each other. The loaf was broken. His body was broken. But the body of Jesus, the living body today, the church, is not to be broken or fragmented, but to be whole, be reconciled. We exercise forgiveness. Today, even as we partake, maybe the Holy Spirit will make aware to you someone that you just need to go and make it right. Don't wait for someone to come to you. If you know, we say it this way, he who knows goes. It says, hey, let's make this right. God made it right with us through the broken body of Jesus. In this bread represents the stripes that were laid on Jesus' back. His broken body shredded by a whip. The Bible says, by his stripes we are, if you need healing in your physical body today, right here, as you partake of the bread, remember the stripes. Remember that there is power today. The New Testament quotes that scripture from Isaiah, by his stripes we are already healed. It's bought and paid for. Receive it today. Let's receive together today. After the supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. Not the old covenant where they strive to keep a law that was impossible to keep, but a new covenant. But we serve a God who provided a way, who mercy seated, who put his blood on that law, died in our place, fulfilling that law so that we could live with him. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Let's partake together. If you could just pass your empty cup to an end aisle, someone will pick them up for you. I'd like you to stand this morning. I want to read Isaiah's prophecy over Hezekiah and the people after this period of time. 
then we're gonna sing and Christina's gonna come and dismiss us in prayer. The prophet Isaiah prophesied over Hezekiah, prophesied over the people in Jerusalem that were under siege. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor build a siege mount against it. By the way that he came is the way he shall return. He shall not come into this city, says the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Harvest, receive the word of the Lord today to you. Sennacherib will not have his way. You will have a breakthrough. The siege will not be successful. You will know the prosperity of the Lord. You will know the blessing of God. And you will know Baal Perazim. was borrowed for three days. His body there would not remain. Cause our God has robbed the Our prayer team is coming. Actually, they'll be here by the time you get here. 
Why don't you join your faith with their faith today? If you need anything today in prayer, they want to pray for you. Father, as we leave today, God, this New Year's Eve, Father, and we step into a new year, a new season, a new beginning, Father, that we will just chase after those things that have been promised and let go of those things that are bogging us down, Father. I pray a blessing over every household, over every family, over every marriage. And Father, I pray for great things in 2024 as we step out of the old and into the new. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.